It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Celtics lose to the Rockets, but how bad was it really? That plus the final play in a wonderful February that was. It's the Monday Locked On Celtics. Millie's, let's go. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. I want to thank you all for making this show part of your daily routine as you start your week. We're going to look at that Rockets game and that last possession and the uh, the month that was and what we can look forward to. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com, joined by RedsArmy.com co-founder Chuck McKenney. How's it going, Chuck? Good. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, we're... It's close to 24 hours removed from from the Rockets game, so I've calmed down just a bit. <laughs> but I, I'm sure once we get rolling, um, the emotions will come bubbling out as yeah. they were last night. So you tweeted something last night, something like, uh, but at least Danny's got three first-rounders. <laughs> and I had a tweet. I had quote-tweeted you, and I was going to say, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for the podcast. And see, because I, I assumed that this was going to be the case. That you'd be like, okay, I, I, I'm I'm a little bit better now. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny. In moments of frustration, I just reach for everything. It's almost like I'm, you know, it's it's what, what can what can I snap back at? And <laughs> most often, when you look at the bench, and you know, it's funny. I'm looking over the box score, getting ready for this, and you oh, know, yeah. everyone said the bench only had four points, and I was looking, and it seemed like the bench they only had like. I don't know, three shots or something ridiculous like that. Four, 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 four shots. shots. So four, four shots. points on four shots. So it's like, that's not as crazy as you think. It's like, why weren't they taking any shots? And you just delve deeper. So, you know, in the moment, I kind of fire things out there, but then take a step back and look. And, you know, Brad gave, you know, the, the big four, or whatever, the starting five had a lot of minutes. Yeah. A lot Brad, of minutes. Brad staggers them. So he, he's got the right guys out on the court. But I still think it, I'm always going to come back to. Um, I feel like this team could have used some help, right? And 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 I don't have, you know, I'm not going to go and say it's uh, Davis Bertans or you know I don't have anybody, right? You know, um, but I just somebody like Ainge is the man. He's got to be able to find the player, and I, love I this. just wanted him to find a player, and I still think that. For the playoffs, yes, the rotations get a little bit shorter, but there are going to be games along the way where maybe kind of a spark plug bench player could give us eight to ten points here and there, and you win a game, and suddenly you're the two seed instead of the three seed. You know, it all adds up. I get it, right? So it's very close with them in Toronto and such. So, so, so that's all. I, I just always feel like he. he he could have done something, especially if Javante Green isn't playing or these guys aren't playing. 
that he would he wouldn't move to clear roster space for. So I, I'm gonna have a hard time letting go of that. Right, but you know it always goes back to like. I love that mentality because that that's the prevalent kind of like he got it. He, he should have gotten somebody, somebody like that's that's that you're very like EEI sports hub. Oh, you say it like Jesus. that. Come I on. know. I'm sorry. It was a low blow. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but no, but isn't that what they say? Like, oh, God, he, somebody, somebody could have helped. Like somebody on that bench could have scored one bucket. We would have won that game. Right. Uh, but like, okay. Yeah, I get it. And, and sure. Like, it's not like he sat around like, you picture Danny sitting in his like in his office, like smoking a cigar, you know, leafing through a magazine, like yeah, screw the trade deadline. Ah, right, we're good, we're good. Uh, it's you know, you, you've got a lot of dynamics there, but whatever. Th- there is like this feeling that sure, the, like the bench, you would have liked somebody to do something. Um, right, that's all. That's all I ask. You know. Uh, and, you know, Brad Wanamaker would be that guy that could have scored, like, a couple of points, but he, you know, he didn't. He only took two shots. So, on the one hand, who do you want taking the shots, you know, when these guys are out on the floor? I would rather have Brown or Smart or Tatum or Hayward. Like, I want those guys taking the shots more than yeah. these other guys. But then I know the counter argument is, like, well, we should have another guy that can take those shots. That's what we wanted is a guy that could take those shots. So, but whatever, this is what we have. This is what the Celtics have. And so, um, and I don't think lack of bench production, when I sat there at the end of the game, I didn't think at all about a lack of bench production until afterwards you say, wow, the Celtics starter scored 106 of the 110 points. Like, wow, that's, that's, that's a lot of points. Uh, but you know, the Houston starters, Score they, they, their bench only scored fifteen points. Yeah. So it my where this game was lost to me was in the third quarter when the the Celtics seemed to be like standing around and it took them a while to get going and it, it felt like in that third quarter that they were just kind of watching the the Rockets just do kind of whatever they wanted. I mean, obviously Russell Westbrook murdered the Celtics, but the, the, in the third quarter, the, the Rockets outscored the Celtics 36, 22. They went out to a huge lead. I mean, it was like a 22 to six run or something like that. Um, they were just hitting all kinds of shots. They were giving them open threes. They made their open threes. The Celtics on the other side couldn't hit a damn thing. And like, that's, that's kind of what it boiled down to. Like, the that third quarter where the Celtics came out, I don't know, jelly legged, they tired with the first first game home from a long road trip, like that phenomenon, like whatever it was, they either lost focus or, or weren't didn't have the right energy or whatever. But that third quarter is where everything fell apart and where they lost the game. And and, and that's that's mostly the starters coming in and playing a good chunk of that third quarter. And the run came when the starters were on the floor to start the third quarter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're hundred percent right there. And, um, but the, the, it was the inability to, um, you know, I had flashbacks to, you know, way back to like 2010 when the Celtics occasionally struggled to get rebounds. And then also, and, um, you know, whatever it was, 14, 15, 16, like those teams that were terrible rebounding Celtics teams, um, they could not corral the rebound. And, and, 
And, you know, Tucker seemed to come up with big plays. And after every big play, it was either Daniel ha- Daniel House, right? Is that his first yeah, name? Yeah, Daniel House, yeah. Or Covington were hitting buckets, just big buckets that kept Houston with the momentum. Yep. Um, and it was those frustrating plays that just those 50-50 balls the Celtics were not getting. And it was a collection of guys who 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 um, who weren't getting it. So, uh, yeah, and I don't know what what caused it, but that that also spilled over into the fourth. They were just they were just they just didn't make enough of of those plays. Um, and I think that's just, um, you know, we're not used to seeing that with this team. Because usually they they make those plays. So yes, that's really what happened in this in this game. That's that's what I thought. They didn't just corral enough um, defensive rebounds, or they didn't make the hustle plays when they needed to. Um, and you could look through the you could go through the list of plays. I mean, Tatum didn't have a great shooting start, shooting night. He still willed his way to um, however many points he finished 32. with thirty two. Thirty two, right? I mean, that's ridiculous. Thirty two and thirteen. Um, you know, and Brown um, labored a bit, you know, and it's, it's going to bring me back to Gordon, right? And uh, Gordon has such a solid following on Twitter, too, man. You peep, you make one tiny peep about Hayward and they and they come out mm-hmm. um, because he was like one for seven in the second half. He really wasn't doing much offensively. So, again, as they struggled to get baskets or, um, you know, you look to the – you say, okay, well, if there's no one there on the bench that's going to help them out, um, they need off. They got to find offense. Where are they going to find offense? Well, I expect Hayward to be able to to chip in, right? I mean, he he can easily defer, right? And that's what he does. He'll defer. Um, but I feel like there are times we need him to, you know, give the game what it needs, and sometimes it's buckets. And he didn't shoot well in the second half. And again. I know a lot of other players didn't shoot well, um, but I but I just feel like um, I don't know whether it's a combination of the shots he missed or 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 what. It just it just um, it just seemed like he struggled when we, when we needed him, and, and I don't know if that's fair. Uh, but I'm, but but that's look, how I felt. You look you look at his overall line. I mean, he shot fifty percent, shot two of six from three. It, uh, but it all came in the first half. He okay. Was seven, he was seven of nine at one point. Yeah. Seven of nine. And in the second half, he really just he didn't he didn't do much. Right. So yes, you look back, say okay, yeah, eighteen six and four. That's Gordo for you. But man, the second half when they fell apart, he contributed to that. Sure. He he didn't shoot well in the second half. Uh, nobody shot well in the second half. Uh, Tatum was five of fourteen. Tice was one of three. Brown was four of nine. Which is you know close. Marcus Smart was four of eleven. Uh, there, yeah, it's, you know, I get it. I get the, it. And, and this goes to like the Rockets' defense in the second half, especially the third quarter, but really for the entire second half was just phenomenal. It was like, good. Yeah, I think I think you can say. You can blame one guy or or whatever. You can pick a guy and say, well, he didn't. Blah blah blah. I really feel like the the Rockets took away a lot of the things that the Celtics like to do. And you didn't see any of the Tice kind of pick and roll and seal where right. he's been doing like that a bunch lately. You didn't see any of that. Not once. I don't remember it. Uh, you didn't see guys like when when teams switch, you 
the the way to combat that is you slip the screen and you just basically back cut to the basket and and you throw it over the top and you get easy buckets that way. You can destroy switching defenses like that, but the way the Rockets switch, they kind of prevent you from slipping screens as often as you'd like. So they take away a lot. And the Celtics try to post up a couple of times, and and even that's not the best way to to combat what the what the Rockets do. Like, let's just face it: the Rockets went out there in the third quarter, and more than framing this as Gordon couldn't do this or Jason Tatum couldn't do this. I felt like the Rockets took that away from them and the Celtics just didn't have any way to adjust. They didn't have any kind of like plan B and and that we can talk about that as a weakness for this team, but also Houston is unique and I don't know if any other team is going to play like Houston does moving forward. Yeah, no, that that's fair. So basically what you're saying, when you say the Celtics couldn't adjust and they didn't have a plan B, that you're basically calling out Stevens and saying he failed them. Um, I mean, <laughs> you are, you are. Let's take a break. We'll, we'll come back. We'll, we'll, we'll address this after the break. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics. Your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So let's talk about Brad Stevens' role in this and and what he could have done differently. And now I feel like we're going back to the bench because one thing he did was Romeo Langford on uh, James Harden, which didn't didn't fail, but I I don't know if he did that. Langford was just, uh, by the time he got back in in the second half, uh, he he did okay, but like I think the Celtics were looking for more. Wanamaker didn't do much. Grant Williams couldn't do much. Like so, I, was Robert Williams an answer? Like maybe 
if we're going to criticize Brad Stevens for anything, like Rob Williams was back. He was healthy. Um, why not give him a couple of minutes to see if he could have gone in and maybe worked and, and, and slipped some of those screens like we were talking about, gone up and catch some lobs, maybe some putbacks. Uh, rebounding was a big issue. Maybe he could have gotten that. Like if I have any one criticism of Brad is that he had Robert Williams available and he, I, I think this might've been a time where he could have, he could have tried to use him. And you know what? Worst case scenario is you throw him in there for two minutes in the first half and you, you see, or two minutes in the third quarter and you see, and you'll know right away, like after a possession or two, whether that was the right move or not. But as things were starting to fall apart, and the Celtics were struggling to find a way, and they were getting sucked into the 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 style of play that Houston wants them to play. Maybe throwing in a rim running athletic guy to to either catch some lobs or even on the other end, even on the other end, block some shots. Like that that is probably something we should have seen. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a tease, right? We knew he was finally available, and then then he didn't he didn't see the court. Um, you know, I guess it's interesting, right? Because you're you're calling for Williams, and it seems like your number one reason is to kind of boost the offense, to give them some options on offense that they didn't have, and that's all valid. Um, defensively, where he's pretty strong, you know, I guess Brad clearly didn't think he would have would have helped much right because he ha- he would have had to chase Covington or Tucker depending on who you know or you match him up with Jeff Green I guess I, I don't I don't know you know cause Houston is so small um well so you that- know what though that that's not a bad idea like if Jeff Green is in the game like yeah. Jeff Green sucks now like he's yeah. never really particularly great but like he's done like, yeah he played 14 minutes yeah, yeah. That could have been those could have been Robert Williams minutes. Go in there, kind of check Jeff Green, and if that's not working, if he if you get torched a couple a couple of plays by Jeff Green, then then fine. But sag off of him, let him shoot. He's not going to hit those shots. You'd think, you know, I, I just maybe Brad just thought it might, you know, Houston just wasn't the right matchup for him. I don't know, but yeah, as I was watching Jeff Green and even Austin Rivers, I was like, wow, you know, these guys look you know brutal out there too. Um, so yeah, I guess I, I, you know Rob. So Williams is one, but but you know just kind of that that aside. I don't know. For me, watching the Celtics defend Houston, it just it just seemed like there were so many plays where I, where Hayward ended up on like Westbrook or, um, and it was just like I know they were switching or in the course of a, an offensive set, you know guys guys get caught up on different players, um. But man, it seemed like Westbrook uh, was able to to um, have his way. That's, I mean, that's a tough matchup for for Hayward. Um, tough matchup for anybody. It is right I mean, right now. But but you know, you look at that. You say going into this game, you think, all right, if Westbrook and Harden combine for sixty two points, is that really that bad? Will they both get about thirty? It's really limiting. <laughs> you know, to me, Covington hit the big shots and some of the big shots in this game. Right. Um. So so it's. I guess the Celtics offense just seemed to really struggle to get going. It seemed like it would take forever. They didn't weren't effective at setting screens and it was you're, they were burning 12 seconds off the shot clock before they were ever getting into anything. Right. So right. where's Brad to design something? I don't I don't <laughs> know. I I I know a part of its execution, but nothing ever seemed to change for me over the at least the fourth quarter. The offense was it was such a hectic pace. 
Um, I just felt like the Celtics could never adjust. Whether no. that's Brad's and, fault or or the guys on the court. And there were some moments where it felt like the players were trying to force it, um, took it upon themselves, and and were you know uh, committing turnovers here and there. Um, you know, you get that sort of isolation situation. I mean, Tatum had five turnovers, but um, you know, I mean, we could talk about the final possession too. Right? Yeah, I mean, um, that was that that plays into the final possession for sure because. The Celtics, again, struggled to execute in that possession. So you come down, they, they have the ball with 24.3 seconds left. So you, the theory there is you take the, you take the shot with enough time to like put, get a put back. Uh, you don't want to take the shot with too much time to give Houston a chance to, to come back and right, get right. a decent play together. So you come down. And like Houston again, I'll say that their defense was phenomenal in that game, and it was it was really really good on that last play too. Tatum comes down, you see nothing, uh, you give it to you give it to Hayward, and Tatum's supposed to come up off a flare screen, and they blew that up. So now Hayward has an option, and Hayward drives, tries to drive, sees nothing, so then he goes into a dribble handoff with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown comes around. Robert Covington picks him up. He then slides in front of Jalen. Jalen can't get to the rim. So Jalen gets to a step back where he misses short. Um, and, and actually, uh, Daniel Tice did have a kind of an opportunity to, to get the ball, but it got batted around. And by the time he caught it, the time had expired. So there's a lot of people that say, well, once Jalen Brown was stopped. Like it, at some point there were seven seconds left. You call a timeout, you set the play again, um, which, which I understand. And in theory, maybe, but my take is that you call that play and you let your guys run it. And that they were running the actual play. It's not like they broke away from the play. Yeah, And so when Brad Stevens calls timeout in that situation, it's because they've broken away from the play. But they were running the play. And they got a shot that Jalen Brown can hit. Yep. And he has hit. He's hit that shot a ton. So I think Brad Stevens shows to his players in that moment, I trust you in the big moment. You guys work the ball around. Against a very tough defense, you got a shot that is makeable by a guy who makes that shot. Yep. That's that's what the play is designed to do, to get a makeable shot by a guy who makes that shot. And so I don't I don't see the need to call a timeout there. I think it's even more important to for J, for Jalen Brown to come off of that feeling like you know, the coach trusted me to take that shot. And in the post-game interviews, when Brad Stevens and other guys were asked about, should you have called a timeout? He was, Brad was like, no, that, I, that's, I was okay with the way that played out. And it shows trust in his team. And especially a guy like Jalen Brown, that's confidence in you. Like, yeah, of course I wouldn't call a timeout, Jalen. You got a shot that you make. So take that when, when it comes time 
in the second round of the playoffs to make a last second shot. Jalen Brown comes off of that play with the confidence knowing that he's going to be allowed to take a shot that he can make. And with that confidence, I think, comes the ability, a slightly increased ability to make that shot. So I think there's a long-term play here, too. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think with, uh, with the shot that they got, there were four guys on the floor who Stevens would have been comfortable taking that sort of mid-range, even even though it's a it can be a contested fadeaway. There are, they have four guys on the floor who can who can make that shot, uh, and some who make it, you know, Brown and and Hayward make it more consistently than others. So I'm I agree. I'm I'm fine with that shot. If if Tice is somehow kind of caught up in that. If somehow the ball is in his hands there, that that's an obvious timeout. Um, but I also have no faith that had Brad called timeout with six seconds left, that the shot we would have gotten at that after that inbounds would have been probably Tatum ISO resulting in a 28 footer. Right. That's that's contested. I just didn't think, and it really has a lot to do with the defense Houston was playing, that we would have got a better look than that. And so I, right. I agree with you. So no, I'm just I'm just I'm just agreeing with you again oh. strongly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would say it was especially important because Jalen was the guy that was taking the shot, um, and Jalen is probably I don't I don't know if the most sensitive guy is is the right way to put it, but he's the guy that has the most is, is most prone to like you know like that that what do they call it a thousand yard stare that like in the middle of a game, he's just kind of like wide eyed and you're wondering like, Jalen, are you with us? Are you with us, Jalen? Yeah. Like he's, he's the most prone to something like that. And so when he got the ball, I think it was really, really important for him to get that shot and have the confidence afterwards from the coach to be like, yeah, that's not a, not an issue for me. If well, considering he made the three pointer that forced the game into right. overtime, right? I know it was a crazy play, but you know that that should have been some confidence there too. Sure, sure. But like I would say that if it was Kemba or Gordon or even Tatum, with you know the level of you know experience that the the, the first two guys have and the confidence that Tatum has, like I wouldn't be surprised if Brad did call a timeout. Like if Kemba had that situation. And got stuffed with Covington, and you're like, shit, small guy, big oh, yeah. defender. Like Brad could call a timeout there and say, all right, let's let's reset this and get get a little bit of a cleaner look. And Kemba wouldn't be like upset. Like he might be upset, but it wouldn't like affect him. It wouldn't affect his confidence, or it wouldn't have any long term impact. I, I think it's with Jalen there. It was there's a little a little added importance to like kind of let him go. Yeah, I mean that's an awful lot to run through Brad's mind as he's watching this, as he's watching the play, you know, and the clock is ticking down as it's like eight, seven. He's thinking, well, the long-term play here is for is to let Jalen I mean, make this shot. That's you know? how. I mean, that's he has all of these things running through his head. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, that's you know, he he understands the long-term, like the the learning that goes on during a game. Like he understands. Like sometimes you're like, I'm gonna see how this plays out because. How it plays out could like in a playoff situation he he might have acted differently, but in that situation, giving them that opportunity to kind of work through it on their own, like I think Brad Stevens makes regular season decisions based on things that are like other than just getting that particular win. 
Right, right. I, I'll agree. He should have called the timeout when Smart had the ball before Harden stripped it. Let's 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 call let's call that <laughs> or something. And I think Marcus was trying to. I don't know. I thought that someone was trying to call a timeout, but man, so many frustrating plays in that game. It's, and for me, that the last play ranks, you know, isn't even in like the top five. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's pause for a second, and then when we come back, talk about some of the things that it's. It's a new month, so let's look back at February next on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. The Boston Celtics now move on to the March portion of their schedule. They went 9-3 and three in the month of February. Um, they scored more points per game, 110.7, in the month of February than they did in any other month prior to this season, uh, prior, prior to this month. And uh, I think, generally speaking, uh, they made almost the second most three-pointers uh, per game, uh, Generally, I think it was a month that we saw a lot of progress and may have even kind of Chuck, changed uh, some of the ways people thought about this team. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you look at the you look at the signature wins they had this month. Um, the win over they beat Philly. They had a good win over Oklahoma City. The, the Clippers win um, the Lakers game that Utah win. uh even yeah. the battle against Houston. I mean, for me, yes, nine and three. I would have. I, if you told me at February first, that's what they would finish. I would have signed up for that immediately. Uh, but clearly, it was Tatum's month, right? The yes. month belonged to Tatum, and he elevated his game uh, to a level that I think even the the greenest green teamers <laughs> didn't think we'd see this season. Right. What we saw this month or last month, February, is really what we envisioned probably for Tatum next year and moving forward. Um, but to see him just play that sort of, uh, you know, uh, superstar basketball, I-, I think it's it took us a little bit by surprise. Right. I mean, that's that's fair. Like to see him. Oh, absolutely. Take that leap and you go back and you look at his numbers and you're like, holy crap, his yeah. numbers are even more ridiculous than what we witnessed on the court. Um, and against the, the level of competition. And then when you add on top of it, all of the, um, you know, the media coverage and the people talking about him and LeBron even calling him that boy's a problem and the Instagram yep. photo, like mm-hmm. all of that, it really was like a whirlwind. It's like, holy shit, what just happened? Yeah. Someone slap me, you know? It's, it's wild. It's wild. The, the level of confidence that he's played, played with. You look at his February splits, it's it's ridiculous. First of all, like the usage numbers, like he's he's at thirty one percent a usage rate, which is like star level, superstar level usage rate. Uh, he's the fifth Celtic to ever average thirty plus points per for for a month. Uh, and the other four were what Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, I think Pierce did it once, and Havlicek. So pretty good company there. Uh, and then you get down to like some of the the other numbers, like 
he took 91 free throws in 12 games in February, where he took uh, 80 free throws in 12 games in January, mm-hmm. and 87 in 13 games in December. Like, you got to go back to uh, you got to go back to November for him to take. Actually, no, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong column. Let me start over. 91 free throw attempts in February, 50 in January, 59 in 14 games in November. So he has like really almost in in February, in 12 games in February, 91. You take December and January combined, he had 97. So <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it's, he's so he's getting to the line. Three-point attempts, 108 three-point attempts. He made 52 of them. He almost hit 50% from three for a month with 108 attempts, which is more than he's taken in any other month this season. I mean, the whole thing is is just wild. The offensive production, um, even defensively, 14 steals, 15 blocks. That's the most that he's had. Like, he, it, it really is... His his month for sure. Oh, and here's one last one. His true shooting percentage, 63.7, which is uh, seven points better than January, which was his previous best. Just a yeah. wild, wild month I mean, for him. It's mind-blowing stuff, right? And, and it's, um, you know... He's just elevated himself above everybody else on the team, right? There's always been this great balance, um, but but I think we've always thought that Tatum has the highest ceiling, and now we're seeing that ceiling, and then let's everyone else fill in the gaps, right? He's still going to have nights like like last night where he's nine for twenty-seven. I mean, Kobe had more than his share of those of those shooting nights over his career. That that just happens with, with, with volume shooters and scorers. And I'm fine with those as long as they're they're not the norm. Um, but so does the mentality shift now where it was, you know, as of January, it was, wow, we have such a balanced group of guys um, and almost where Kemba was still kind of lurking, like he can always pick us up whenever we need to. But now does the mentality switch or do, 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 does the strategy switch where – you see how good Tatum can be. Does Brad start calling more plays? Like, does does the sh- does the shift actually happen? Like, amongst the strategy, where Brad's making it, you know, Tatum's getting more. No, I don't think so because I think the strength of Tatum is taking advantage of what this team can do, like the ball movement and stuff. Like, uh, one thing that I, I actually am curious about is how they handle moving forward the 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 things that they were starting to tend to do like oh we're not shooting well well Jalen I mean Jason can go and get a bucket let's just give it to him I thought the Lakers loss was uh as much it has much to do with them forcing the the issue and 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 really trying to force the hot hand rather than work the ball around take advantage of their double teaming him and working within that space. Now, as Brad has correctly pointed out, these are new things that Tatum is seeing. And so they may say, let's take advantage of the attention that Jason is getting. Right. And like, to me, the next elevation, the next step for Tatum is passer, 
And like he's of course he has to have, he he still has to tighten up his handle, but the the passing is is the next thing for him. Um, his assist numbers are still like he three three assists. Like if he can get up to like five or six assists, right. you know yeah. I'm not asking him to become you know twelve assist guy like Steve Nash or anything like that, but five or six, and then make it so it's like. Well, now we can't double team him. Then forget it. Then forget it because then he can go and cook. And anytime you do double him, he passes out of it. Like that's the next step. And he only just saw that level of double teaming against the Lakers. And to his credit against Utah, he, it, it was better. Like he was giving the ball up and we saw other guys benefit. And so, so I guess I'll amend my answer. Like yes and no. Like, like you take advantage of him having that extra gravity. And so you, you use him to kind of pull a second defender out and let the other, then tell him like, now you got to give it up. You know what I mean? Like you don't call more plays for Jason. So Jason could go force the issue against two guys. You call more plays for Jason. So he can get double teamed and then he passes out of it. And then you play basically four on three for yeah. a couple of seconds. And then once that double teaming doesn't work, then you just run your offense. And once Jason gets it, he can just take advantage of whatever matchup he has. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, that's a great sort of explanation of, of, of what, what he needs to, what he needs to do. And I think it'll come gradually. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, you know, like he might not see double teams enough and he's going to see different types of traps, whether they come at him hard, um, early or they wait, um, a little bit and then send the guy over. So it's going to take him a little bit to get used to it. Um, but I have complete confidence that, that he will. Um, but bringing Kemba back into the mix now after whatever it is, how many games, right? He's supposed to play on Tuesday. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be seamless, right? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that, that does add an element. Think, right. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I said, I said that like half jokingly, I, but I'm not anticipating any sort of like these guys trying to, trying to work through something. No, I don't think so either, but it, it certainly will make it harder for, for them to double team Tatum. But the, the beauty of what the Celtics can be is that Tatum won't need quite as many shots to, get hot or like Tatum's not a guy like Terry Rozier was who, when Terry <laughs> Rozier dropped a 25 point game, he shot like Oh, for his first eight. And then he got hot. Like Tatum doesn't have to necessarily shoot his way into a rhythm. Like, like some guys do. I think he's yeah. either got it. And, and, and maybe when he doesn't have it early, he can still find that rhythm later. But He's not a guy that's like, let, let's get Tatum five or six shots so we can kind of, kind of get that feeling of the ball. Like he could just, he could just be part of the flow and you play your defense, like really work on playing your defense, get out in transition, get Tatum a couple of transition dunks. And then he's feeling it. like he's more likely to get hot after a dunk than he is after firing three threes. Yeah. By the way, Jalen Brown had a pretty damn good February. And I like, if you combine, we, we used to talk about these guys together and then Tatum kind of separated himself. So Tatum had 30.7 points per game. Uh, Jalen had 21.8 points per game in 10 games in February. So, I mean, they, they combined to average almost 33 
32-plus points per game. Um, Jalen shot 48% from the field. His true shooting percentage was up at almost like 55 and a half. Uh, he, he had a, a pretty decent February himself. Um, yeah, oh shit. I mean, last year he was like a 14 point per game score. Yeah. And now he's, you know, yeah, if he's not getting 20, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what's wrong. And if he's not shooting close to 50%, I'm wondering what's wrong. So he's quickly elevated the standard too. And yeah. you're right. It's just kind of like flying under the radar a bit because of what we're seeing with, you know, what we're, what we're seeing with Tatum. It's, it's so. wild. It's wild to see that the, the Celtics have like this much, like, Obviously, we latch onto the, the the big story. Like Tatum is the big story, but Jalen is right behind him, um, and you know Kemba is still sitting there averaging like twenty two a game, and Hayward's still averaging seventeen. Like those guys are are. We talk about oh the bench doesn't score much. Well, yeah, they they, <laughs> they kind of don't have to. Right, with those four guys, yeah, you know. And at this point, right. I don't, I don't want them taking many shots. Like unless Ennis Cantor has a right matchup and he's just getting putbacks or something like that. But like, let's let the, these guys go cook because they're they're doing a pretty good job of it. So I mean, I'm anticipating they overtake Toronto. So I, and for me, that's the goal, right? It's to it's to it's to be healthy, obviously, but it's to be the two seed. Uh huh. It's it's the, it's and I, and, I, and I think they can they can do that when you look at whatever it is their next uh, or their final twenty whatever games when you quickly skim through the schedule I think they can win seven out of the next uh, ten and then seven out of the next ten after that so they can, you know is that going to be good enough to to overtake Toronto who I gotta think I don't know why but I still keep thinking they gotta yeah they've been playing so ridiculously well but are they that good Yeah, it's hard to believe. Um, so I did a little bit of a breakdown on Mass Live of this, and if you just look at the percentages of how, how these teams have been winning games, the Celtics are kind of on pace for a 58 win season, and <laughs> which is insane. Uh, and if you look at considering Toronto's schedule and above 500, below 500, home road, blah blah blah. They're at, they're about the same pace. Like they're about 58 or 59 wins. So the, you got two teams that the projections will put them at right about the same number. So March 20th, Celtics at Toronto. That's could, ahead. Yeah. That's, that's it. So the Celtics have won two of the three matchups. If the Celtics win that matchup, they, they get the tiebreaker because they're 3 1. And, that essentially gives them a game in hand against right. against the Raptors. If the Raptors win that game, then the tiebreaker goes down to like the third tie because it's the head-to-head record is first, division winner is second, and if they're tied, they're both a division winner. Um, then it goes down to division record, and it's it, it's still kind of tight. But if Toronto beats the Celtics. Then they right now they're eight and four against the Atlantic. Boston is seven and five. So if Boston wins that game, they kind of even up that record. I don't know what, what who they have in between, but but if the Raptors win that game, then they they basically have like a two game lead in that tiebreaker. So uh, yeah. that that's why I think that. So March twentieth is where I think the second seed is won or lost. Um, not necessarily because there's still there's still time and, and you can they can still finish above Toronto, but 
they're both projected to be at the same same amount of wins, and and that win for the Celtics would give them the tiebreaker, and that would be the end of the story. Yeah, big game in Toronto. Let's hope there's no load management for Kemba for that. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, all right, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, that's going to be it for this podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, enjoying the show. I hope you've enjoyed it enough to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe. We exist everywhere podcasts exist. And if you are a subscriber, please rate the podcast. Five-star rating would be great. A good written review would be awesome. And share it. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.